Shout out to Steve Train. Jump on the Steve Train. We real estate disruptors. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. So we've got Brian Driscoll with Motivated Leads. And Brian flew in from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to share how he earned over $5 million in real estate. I'm sorry, built over $5 million in real estate as a side hustle. And I'm really looking forward to this episode because in the short time I've known Brian, he's probably one of the biggest go-givers I've met in this space. Now, I am on a mission to create 100 millionaires, and the information on the show alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. If you'll take consistent action, you will become one. And we also know the fastest way to become a millionaire is to get good at sales. And so our sales community was launched just two weeks ago today, and the community members are already closing more sales. If you haven't checked it out, go to salesdisruptors.com to surround yourself with sales assassins from across the country. And the show is brought to you by our sister company, InvestorLift. Get access to over 2 million cash buyers across the country. Go to InvestorLift.com, put in disruptors to get 10% off. And if you get value today, please hit that subscribe button. That way we can all grow together and there's a live show. So please ask your questions for Brian to answer. You ready? Ready. All right. So first question is, what was your life like right before you got into real estate? Well, I'll start at the beginning. My life, I was in high school, right? Okay. I went to Ron LeGrand seminar. You know Ron. Ron. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> went to one of his seminars back in the back of the room, paid his 1800 bucks, got his course. In high school. Right. Yeah. When I was 18, like right when I graduated, my dad took me to a seminar. Wow. Okay. So I did that, failed miserably. Right. And back then we weren't doing digital or anything. It was like, go put We Buy Houses ad in the classifieds. Mm -hmm. Had a whole bunch of people coming in and I didn't know what to do with them. But yeah, that's where I was starting. I was just young, green, didn't know anything. And just my dad was always into real estate. He always liked it. So I'm like, yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah. So your dad brought you to a seminar. Yep. How was that experience? having your dad bring you to a seminar? It was cool. Okay. Well, I'm only asking this because my dad used to bring me to seminars uh -huh. way before 18, right? I, I want to say like maybe like 12, you know? Mm. And he'd bring me, or maybe even younger, and I was like, what are all these old people talking about? Why am I here? And I hated it. And he'd always buy these cassettes because they always upsold you to the cassettes. Yeah. And my mom would always be upset, so angry, like, why are you going to these things? Why are you buying these cassettes and you're not doing anything with all this? And so I got to witness uh, that as well. And, you know, I got a chance to speak at We Live 19. Mm. I was Max Maxwell's event. The headliner was Gary V. I was stoked to get to share a stage with, you know, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. And I told my dad about this. Dad, I'm going to be speaking at this event. And the first thing he says to me, gut reaction, don't buy anything. <laughs> it's like that. I'm the speaker. Right. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, it's funny too. Cause I was the same way. Like I used to be, I remember when I was like eight or nine sitting in a car, like mm -hmm. Zig Zig. He always had, to, you're right. The cassettes. It was a book of cassettes. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it always Jim Rohn, Zig Zig. Mm -hmm. I, I used to just fall asleep. Yeah. But I think in Tony Robbins mm -hmm. and I think like in the back of my head, those ingraining those things. And I didn't like those at the time, but yeah, right. <laughs> it, it's like putting it in your head. Yeah. And I'm really grateful for it. And it probably lays such a strong foundation but I was so not ready for it. I was so resistant to mm -hmm. all of it. So right out of the gate, out of high school, Ron Grand, you took action, you're doing classified ads, you didn't know what to do with it. Failed. Failed. Got all the, and you know what's weird? I had all these people. These are sweet deals. Mm -hmm. They call me up, like, hey, we want to do a deal. I'm like, okay, cool. And I couldn't make it happen. What, what part were you struggling with, with the most that you say you couldn't make it happen? Like I was dealing with, I didn't know how to... 
It's like, oh yeah, you can get all these houses with none of your own money, mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. I'm like, okay, cool. It didn't, it didn't make sense in my brain. It's like, okay, well, I don't have any money. I'm trying to talk these people into giving me their property, things like that. Mm-hmm. It just didn't, it just, I wasn't ready yet. Yeah. Like, it just didn't click for me. Right. You know? So then when did things start working for you? Like 15 years later. 15 years later. Yeah. Okay. So you got into real estate and you quote unquote failed. Yeah, twice. Twice. There's another one too. Yeah. Okay. So you did that. It went nowhere. And then at what? Did you go to college? Did you do something else? I went to college for like eight days. It wasn't really my thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you found out quick. Right. Okay. So you went to college for eight days. It wasn't your thing. Why was it not your thing? I mean, I'm just not built like that. I'm sitting in a classroom. I remember I'm sitting in a classroom talking math or talking all this homework. Mm-hmm. Like, dude. This is like, and I was working a job too. I was working at Comcast at the time. Okay. And I was one of the top sales guys in the U.S. And uh, I was making really good money. I'm like, and Comcast was paying for us. Yeah, you want to go to school, they'll pay mm-hmm. for it. And uh, I just remember sitting there, I'm like, this is boring. Mm-hmm. And I was making a lot of money at a young age, which was a problem. Yeah. Because like we'd go drinking and do all kind of nonsense, get in a lot of trouble. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, college just wasn't it. So you were making a lot of money selling internet? Yeah, I was the guy you called selling internet and phone and cable. Okay. And when you're saying you're making a lot of money at that time, what kind of money were you making? It was over six digits. Over six digits. Yeah, when I was like probably 20, 21, yeah. something like that. Well, I, it's going to require a ton of discipline for someone to be making $100,000 without a college degree to continue college. Right. <laughs> it's like, because there's not, what more upside are you pursuing that college can do for you at that point? Right. And yeah. I, didn't, I didn't even like high school. Like I skipped a lot. I, it, I just wasn't built for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was always the guy like just not going. So then you said you failed the second time. What was the second failure? So second time I got involved with, well, after Ron LeGrand, I got involved with digital marketing, right? Mm-hmm. And then I got involved with one of my buddies. We were doing digital marketing in a pre-construction real estate in uh, 07. So we were going back and forth to Florida, getting involved with all this kind of stuff. And uh, I was dealing with more on the sales side. They're like, hey, you know what? You'll be the sales guy. We'll generate the leads. You sell them. It's good. Turned out to be a scam. Like it was like flat out scam. Like swamp land. No, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like the guy was taking people's money, just like ripping people off. Yeah. But so I 100% was 100% profit for him. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I wasn't doing, I, I had a house. I mm-hmm. pulled my equity out of the property to fund this. Oh, man. And I was going back and forth to Florida, getting a real estate license, doing all this stuff. And literally just failed miserably. Okay. You know what I mean? So that was, a, that was number two. So you were helping another guy with his pre-construction sales, and you were doing the Facebook and, and, or the digital marketing to get his leads so he can sell these pre-construction. No, my buddy Phil was doing the digital marketing. Okay. This guy, this guy uh, his name is Mark, not in Orlando. Mm-hmm. So Phil's over here doing digital marketing. He's like, hey, man. We got a good opportunity. We're generating a ton of leads. This Mark guy down here is hooking people up with properties. So Phil's over here. He's like, hey, just run these leads, sell them. We're going to make a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. So me and Phil both got screwed. So you're closing deals. Right. As a sales guy mm-hmm. on something that didn't exist. Yeah. It was Ugh. pre-construction real estate. So it didn't exist yet. It's like, hey, you buy in the first phase. And then 2008 happened. It's mm-hmm. like everything just disappeared. Got it. Okay. So that was your second real estate venture. Yeah, that one hurt. Why did it hurt? That one hurt bad. So number one, financially it hurt. And I had so much vested in that. It was kind of like a snowball type of thing. I ended up losing my freaking brain. 
mm-hmm. like losing my mind. Like I was, they, my mom said, like, you got to go get 302'd, right? What's 302'd? It's like they stick you in a mental, mental ward because okay. I wasn't sleeping. Mm-hmm. It's like sometimes I, I'd get all wrapped up. I'm like, dude, I got to go, go, go. And I saw it going down and I just run. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that one, it took me a long time to recover from that. Um, what about it specifically broke you? I think, um, the, a lot of money, like the, the goal of, okay, yeah, here's a shiny object over here. Okay. So a lot of money, let's start there. So yeah. how much money did you lose? Well, I lost 40 K, but I'm, the thing that got me was the shiny object, like, like the, that you can see a lot of money, mm-hmm. right? So going after that, and then it got me going down, running at it. And it's like, I'm going to work as hard as I can to make this happen. And then I'd start not sleeping, things like that, like working through the night. Mm-hmm. And that's where the problems happened there. So it was a combination. It was like the perfect storm. All right. So this financial distress, emotional distress, and then on top of that, physical distress. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can totally get that. So this is 2008, right? Yeah. Give or take. And then how did you eventually get back into real estate then? So I got into real estate probably about 10 years ago now. So this 2000, probably about 2014. Mm-hmm. I got back into it and I got, I was originally looking on Craigslist for a house to live in. Mm-hmm. So I find this guy, he's a wholesaler. So I go check out the property. I'm like, okay, cool. This is a good deal. It's yeah. like $130,000 property, $230,000 neighborhood. Uh, I'm like, this makes sense. You're a wholesaler. I'm cool with that. Whatever your fee is, good with that. And that's what got me back into real estate. I wasn't getting into it as an investor. I was actually looking for my own property. I just wanted a deal. Yeah. So that was my gateway back into it. And that's where it started. That's when you got hooked. That's where I got hooked. Okay. So you bought a property. And did you move into that property? I did. Okay. You still own it? I do. Cool. I've never sold a property. Never sold the property. Nope. And that's huge. That's one of the things that I've heard from a lot of the, the folks that are a lot older and more wiser than us was their biggest regret was ever selling any of their properties. That's what they all say. Yeah. So good. So you bought that property and you still have it. So what did you do? You bought, you lived, you moved into that one. Mm-hmm. So then obviously you're not flipping that one, at least not immediately. Right. So what were, what would you do after that? So I got that property. I lived there. Everything's good. Took a normal, normal loan out, all that kind of stuff. Then I found another deal on Craigslist. Mm-hmm. This guy it was a sweet deal. At least I thought at the time it was pretty good. And he was another wholesaler. So I, what I did was I did, I bought a cash. Then I fixed it up and I pulled my cash back out. Mm-hmm. So I did the burn method. Got it. I got this property. It was like, uh, thir- like 33,000 bucks in a nice neighborhood. Probably like worth 105, 110. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't do any inspections, anything like that. And then I got the property. I found all the plumbing needed replaced. Like it was one of those deals, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. You turn the water on in the bathroom, and it leaked in the basement, like rain. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so okay. that, that's what, that was my first rental property. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, and then ever since then, I just keep doing the same thing. So then has your story then, this, this venture you've been going through, is predominantly buying from other wholesalers? No, so, event, so I saw the wholesale fee on that. Mm-hmm. And I was talking with my buddy Chad. You know Chad. Yeah. And uh, like, dude, I think we could probably generate our own leads. Mm-hmm. So we slapped up a carrot website. Started generating leads and it, we crushed it. Is Chad the one that you were partners with on the whole Florida fiasco? No, but I met him through the same guy. Okay. Yep. All right. So that was Phil. That's right. Phil. Yep. Okay. So you and Chad. So you you buy one, you buy a second one. You're like, we can do this. Right. So then how? You so you connect with Chad through that fiasco. What was Chad's specialty at this time? So Chad and I always I I got into digital marketing like in 2003 doing SEO like mm-hmm. in freelance. Chad was doing paid marketing, like Facebook ads and pretty much Facebook ads mm-hmm. in the e-commerce space. 
Okay. So I met him and we'd always share business back and forth. He'd be like, hey, this guy needs some help. Or I'd say, hey, I need someone to do Facebook ads. You guys are good collaborators to, to, to uh, share, not share, refer one another. Exactly. Yeah, because SEO is ranking in the free section of Google. Facebook ads, like, you know, most people don't do both. Like, yeah. as a contractor, as mm -hmm. a freelancer, you know? Sure. Yeah, okay. so we met that way. Okay, so you brought him in. And how long from when, like, hey, we can do this to, like, your first contract? Um... That's a good question. I don't know. It happened fairly quick. Well, you know what? No, I take that back. So the way we did it was, see, I only want to invest in one zip code, right? Mm -hmm. So we started marketing. Even then? Just in general. I, okay. Yeah, even then. Okay. Um, maybe like, th I was in like three zip codes or something back then. I don't mm -hmm. want to go that far. Right. So we started generating a ton of leads, and I hooked up with uh, Dustin, you know him from CG, mm -hmm. then I hooked up with another guy, Joe. So what I was doing is we were generating all these leads coming into Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. You can only market to the whole city, not in one zip code. Right. Like, I don't want these places. Like, but we're getting them all. So I went into Facebook uh, Marketplace, or not Facebook, one of the Facebook real estate groups. I'm like, mm -hmm. hey, guys, who in here wants leads and wants a JV? And I found some guys, and they kept burning me. Like, I'd send guys leads, and free, free leads aren't valued. Right. I found. Yeah. So free anything I, isn't valued. Right. So I'd send them leads. I'm like, hey, and they wouldn't track them, uh, things like that. So I'd keep getting burned. But I met uh, a guy named Joe and Dustin. And they had their stuff in order. Mm -hmm. And I'd send them deals and we just split them. Yeah. And that's how, that's how we started. It's like, okay, we're making money here. So when was this? You said it was 10 years ago that you're like, okay, I'm going to get back into the business. Yeah. And, how, and then the second house, you're like, we can do this. So really, like 10 years ago was the launch of you guys buying houses again uh, for your own deals. Right. And you just start off with a carrot site. Yep. And you're only targeting one zip code. Right. And anything that you couldn't that fit also, that wasn't in your buy box, you wholesaled, and a bunch of people kind of like, kind of squandered it. Yeah. Why was it so important in the beginning to have one or two or three zip codes? I don't want to go that far. So I got a property. Like you don't want to get in the car and drive. Yeah, I don't want to get in the car and drive. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. I don't want to get in the car and drive, um, because there's a reason though. I bought a property. It was probably like 25 minutes from me. It's in Peters Township. Real nice neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And uh, I bought it, and I'd, I was managing contractors myself at that time. So I'm meeting them like three times a week, four times a week. It's like half an hour there, talk to them, half an hour back. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is a freaking time suck. Yeah. And, and I'm, not, I'm not doing real estate for my full-time gig. This is just my side hustle. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't have that much time because I'm, I'm running a digital agency. Right. Like, I don't have time for this. Like, I'm working. Here's what my schedule looked like back then. Five in the morning till eight in the morning, I'm running a side hustle, digital. Had a, had a normal job, and then after that, I'm running the side hustle, and I'm going to bed. So, you know what well, I mean? So, what was the first side hustle? Digital so, marketing. Digital marketing. Yeah, digital marketing. You were doing PPC on Facebook for, uh, for random business owners. SEO. Yeah, I was doing SEO. You were doing that. SEO for random business owners. You had the 9 to 5. What was your 9 to 5? I come from the insurance background. Family business. Mm -hmm. So, this is your family's insurance? Yeah, family's insurance business. Okay. So, you got your family gig, right. your family business, doing insurance. During the day. Right. And then you got the real estate side hustle in the evening. No, the real estate was just in, in between. In between. It's just wherever it fit. Well, it depends. Like whenever you get someone who wants to sell their house, it's mm. like you got to jump on it. Yeah. Well, and I think there's a really important caveat here, you know, not to like, well, I actually want to highlight this. So not to undercut in any way, but like if you want something done, you give it to a busy person. Right. Right. So you decided one zip code because 
it was too time consuming for you to get on the road. Mm-hmm. Now, are you still in the insurance business? No. Okay. And that this- was hard to get out of too, because it's a family business. Yeah. Like I was making three times the money in digital marketing, mm-hmm. but it's like it's your family. Right. You know? So you had the insurance thing going. Your side hustle is now your main business. Right. Right. But you still got this conviction of one zip code. Right. Why is that still important? Well, I'm going to build wealth. Mm-hmm. Like, so real estate, I like real estate a lot. Well, number one, I got issues mentally, right? Like I hit, I, I call it goal driven depression. So like I set big goals, but when I hit a goal, like I remember my first property, the one that I was doing on myself, it's like, okay, stressed out, stressed out, stressed out. And then it's done. It's like, what's next? Mm-hmm. So, and I'd get down. So I decided then, and I did another one. I'm like, wait a minute. Like this is, this is being, it's happening because I'm hitting the goal and I don't have things after it. Mm-hmm. So initially I'm like, I'm just always going to buy houses. I'm just going to keep buying houses for that reason. Right. And then I realized it's like, I'm turning, I'm creating a hundred thousand dollars each deal mm-hmm. in like 60 days. So it's like, it's good. Right. Um, so you're talking about goal driven depression. Um, I way, made that up. I don't know if that's really what it's called, but well, what I've called it was achievement addiction. Okay, right? You achieve, and it's like the the best um, embodiment of this is is uh, Bill Belichick, mm. right? Like he might crack a smile when he wins the Super Bowl. He yeah. might, right? But he's thinking about next season on the drive home. Right. Right. And I think that's probably what you're describing here. Yeah, it's like it's like you don't even celebrate. There's there's very little dopamine in the success. Right. You're, you get all this drive, all this sacrifice, all this desire, but then you hit your milestone and like, it's about the same amount of dopamine you get from like people sharing one of your Facebook posts. Right. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's ridiculous. It's not very commensurate. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, all right. So you, 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 you got this thing going. It doesn't take a whole long, a whole long uh, time. And then you, f- you figured something out with Joe and Dustin in Pittsburgh. What was the next step then? Was it selling more leads or was it quitting the insurance? So quitting the insurance. Quitting the insurance came for well, they, they were both going at the same time. I know. Yeah. But you, you had to make it. You had to make a decision at that point. There wasn't like you can just keep sustaining this. Right, right. So the insurance, and it, it was a tough discussion with my dad. To him, like, hey man, I'm making a lot of money here, but I don't want to screw you. And he told me, he's like, you know what, you have to, mm-hmm. you have to go do that. He's like, so it was, it was a good thing there. Um, but yeah, I had to, it wasn't selling the leads. It was, it was more in the digital marketing space when I just left. Mm-hmm. It's like I got to do this. Yeah. So it was. So it sounds like it was tough to work up the courage to talk to your dad, but he made it really easy. It was. Yeah. It was the whole thing's hard working with family. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they, I don't know if you've ever worked with family. It's it. There's a lot of dynamics going. There are a lot of dynamics there. You know, so you're working with family, and it's like, I feel like I'm screwing them. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, now I've been here for 15 years. I learned it all. I know everything inside. Now, now I'm gonna leave you high and dry. Right. See you guys. Yeah, and in his in his eyes, he's like, which I got kids too. I and I hope I think like this when they're older. It's like, no, you need to go do that. Like that's mm-hmm. in your best interest. I want what's best for you. Mm-hmm. So it made it easy for me. You still got the guilt. Right, like you still feel it. I'm okay. Catholic too. It's probably just Catholic guilt, you know. <laughs> Catholic guilt is strong. Right. Okay, so you shut this down, or you, you leave the insurance side. When the from you know from ten years ago, when did motivated leads become a thing? Motivated leads became a thing three years, two and a half, three years ago. Okay, 
So you were still doing this whole time, the insurance thing this whole time then, yeah. seven years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so talk to me about like motivated leads then. Like what, it, what exactly is motivated leads? Yeah, so motivated leads started with me and Chad. We're like, hey, you know what? Let's try something. And we started it with uh, no money. We start a little bit of money. We, I'm like, I'll throw in a grand, you throw in a grand. Mm-hmm. We'll make a landing page. We'll see what happens. If we, if we get clients and it works, good. And if not, we're just going to kill it. We'll keep doing what we're doing because we were doing really well mm-hmm. in the marketing. And we crushed it there. Yeah. So motivated leads, initially when we started, uh, we helped people generate leads. through. We were doing Facebook ads and Google pay-per-click and SEO. Mm-hmm. And people would hire us to do their marketing for them. Yeah. And that, that's where we started. It's the same thing we've always been doing, except we specialize now on local level versus dealing with like national bigger companies. What do you mean local level? Like most people invest, like you invest in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. I invest in Pittsburgh. Our current, our clients before that were e-commerce or like national companies. So we'd be marketing for the whole nation versus local is a lot easier. It's yeah. less competitive. Right. Got it. So real estate is still just purely a side hustle. You don't get a ton of passion out of it. I like it, but it's a side hustle. You like the money from it or you like the real estate from it? I like everything about it. Like, I like, I like, I don't necessarily think I'm money driven, mm-hmm. but money is like the scorecard. Right. If you're doing well, you know what I mean? So I like real estate. I like buying junky stuff and fixing it. Mm-hmm. I like other people paying it off and I like getting houses for free. Yeah. I like the game of it. I like, like the last part a lot. The free part. The free part. I haven't, I haven't figured that one out yet. At least not in Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. But I like that part a lot. Um, I think the best lowest I ever got and bought a house was like twenty three thousand dollars, and that was in the low lower market, not right, not, not this market. Well, I don't get them for free though. It's just <laughs> I get my money back. Like I don't right. have any cash into them. Yeah. So, but even then, Burr model is a, little, a lot different in Phoenix than it is in most other markets. So yeah. if we're gonna be doing for free. We got to do uh, creative strategies here. It's not gonna be Burrs out here. Right. Yeah. Okay. So then. In doing the, the digital marketing, right? Because obviously this is the route you're, you're going through. Who helped you grow your digital marketing business? Just me and Chad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were just, uh, and we work well together because we're totally different personalities. Got it. So I'm, I always look at it like we're, we're going in a ship. My job is to keep the ship straight and his is to go as fast as possible. So he's always really? pushing. Like I always thought I, my marketing company was called Think Big Marketing. Mm-hmm. I always thought I thought big. Mm-hmm. He thinks on a whole nother level. Okay. So he's the visionary, or you guys are both visionaries? It, it depends. He's the visionary, and I got to keep it in wraps. Mm-hmm. Like, I have an idea. I keep the focus. So you're kind of like Scotty on Star Trek. Like, you're just trying to keep the ship from falling yeah. apart while he's Captain Kirk, and, like, he's just... Just trying to go. Yeah. Like, let's go to Warp 10 or whatever it is. Whatever's going to break the ship, let's go that fast. Right. And you figure this out. Yeah, which is good. To, yeah, it's figured out. So I, I keep it going, mm-hmm. like, and keep it organized and focused. And yeah, he's like, boom, let's, let's run. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the biggest victories you've had along the way in building up this digital company? Uh, we're growing really fast. So some of the victories are we got an awesome team. We had seven digits in our first year, yeah. which is crazy in this space. Um, and yeah, I'd say that's probably one of the biggest ones. And we keep like even month over month right now, we're doubling business. Really? Yeah. So it's yeah. like steady growth. Hmm. Um, and I, I'd say it's, it's awesome and stressful at the same time because we're building a team. I've never built a team before. I'm a one-man show. Right. So it's not like we're coming from like a big corporate background. So like that, that's kind of cool part about it. Got it. Yeah, I mean, I've even sent a couple of emails over to Larry, right? He runs our, our, our marketing, our education company. I was like, I don't know what it is about Brian's emails, but it makes me open it. That's good. 
right? I'm clicking on it. Yeah. So like, I don't know what it is. Just look at this email, figure it out. He's looking at it. He's like, it looks like regular email to me. I was like, well, there's something he's doing there. Yeah. I'm clicking on that one above uh, any of the other emails. More recently, I've just put people's names as the subject. Mm-hmm. Like if you're on the podcast, Steve Trang's the, well, t- the subject line. Well, that's what it is. Yeah. Right. No, that's what I noticed. But I was like, I want you to figure this out. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so then doing digital marketing, you must have learned a lot in the last 10 or so years. Oh, yeah. Right. So there's a lot of people that's doing marketing right now, whether it's SEO, Facebook, or Google. So for someone that's running their campaigns right now, what are some of those biggest glaring mistakes you see on people doing digital marketing? So I see, because back in the day, we used to be able to do all kinds of stuff and crush it. Well, there was no cost. You can, you can learn at, right. any, at no, uh, almost no cost. Yeah, and you can do, it was just it was just cool. And now everything, there's a lot more competition mm-hmm. and the algorithms are way more sophisticated. Yeah. Some of the biggest mistakes I see with people fresh in the space trying to do their own marketing is not being direct. Like if you're trying to get someone that wants to sell their house fast, mm-hmm. say that in your ad. Mm-hmm. Don't ask them how much, to find out how much their house is worth. Yeah, well, I figured that out pretty quick. Yeah. Um, so I talk about like my journey of going from realtor to wholesaler and so on, right? And so I'm a realtor and I'm trying to get leads for listings right i was like you know find out what your house is worth for your appraisal i think i bought like free free phoenix appraisal.com or something along those okay. lines i registered one of those domains some time ago and i spent all this money not a ton back then but you know 15 years ago 13 15 years ago it wasn't that expensive to test but i was like these leads suck like yeah. find out what my house is worth and this and that like it wasn't turning into anything and it just so happened i do you know sell my house fast buy my house it's like oh yep <laughs> these these keywords these ads this message resonates because they need take action today right yeah and the difference between someone that wants to sell their house like in a google search sell my house versus sell my house fast is huge right like it's the difference between the top dollar or someone that's got a hoarder house mm-hmm. right you know? so it, it's like you just got to really 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 focus like, so be super direct uh, almost like um, you're you're shaking them, like mm-hmm. you're 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 grabbing their attention really hard. Right. Yeah, you grab their attention hard, and then I look at the website like the disqualifier, like make it hard for them to submit forms. Like everyone's like, no, I want the cheapest leads, I want the most leads, I want to make it easy, short mm-hmm. forms. Yeah. Make multi-step forms, things like that, to disqualify them. Unless you, unless like if you're a realtor too, you might want some of this because if they want top dollar, you can do something with them. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not a realtor, so I can't do anything with them. Right. There's waste. Yeah. So make it harder for them. And again, I'm just going back to my experience. I apologize you guys, but I'm just speaking from my own anecdotal experience here. Uh, what we used to do, cause remember when Facebook for a very, very short period of time, they, they might still do it. We just don't do it anymore. Was that they could just opt in, right? They saw an ad and they yeah. just pre-populate with their Facebook information. They, they, you can still do that. Too. You can still do that. Well, yeah. we decided not to do that thing. Yeah. All right. Cause like it was, pre-populated first name, last name, whatever phone number and email address they use to log in to Facebook right. or register with Facebook. When they set up 10 years ago. Right. Yep. That's the one. And so they could just click opt-in. Yep. And we jump on it, right? Speed the lead. And we call them. Hey, Brian, this is Steve. You just filled out a form on Facebook. I, no, I didn't. It's like, click on the email. No, clearly. Right. <laughs> you clearly did, right? You couldn't say that to a prospect. But like the first time, like, that's really weird. Second and third time, this is an odd pattern. After about 10 times, I was like, oh, they're on so autopilot that because they didn't type anything in, 
You don't even remember filling in a form. Yep. Yeah. So, all right. So you got to make it at least a little challenging yeah. to fill out the information. So what does that mean challenging though? Well, first, if you think about that, so think about from the user's experience. They see an ad of a house. Like, let's talk about the lead forms like you're talking about. They mm -hmm. click it. It puts in their information and they're done. They don't know you're an investor. They don't know anything. They just saw it, uh, an image, mm -hmm. right? So what I prefer to do is, a face, even if you're running on Facebook, you can run. I'm going to take a step back. Facebook will give you what you want. Mm -hmm. So if you tell Facebook, uh, give me likes, they know, and their algorithm's so smart, they know who's going to like your stuff and do nothing else. Really? Or who's, if you say, I want traffic, they know who's, they'll be able to put it in front of people and, and find those people. So you want to choose an objective that says lead. Like, I want people to go to our website and fill out a form. See, I didn't realize that. So that's pretty cool. Good to know. Because mm -hmm. I was like, I mean, they're going to like it. Shouldn't they also? But you're saying right. they're going to put it in front of people who have different tendencies. Right. Because the algorithms are so smart. They know, like, Facebook knows everything you're doing. Mm -hmm. And same with Google because there's something called a Facebook pixel. It's code that's on every website basically out there. Mm -hmm. So they can see your browsing even off the platform. Yeah. So if you're looking for shoes... You're going to see shoes in your Facebook feed. Mm -hmm. Like me, I'm not going to see dresses. My wife will. I won't. Everything's like really tailored to you. Um, so that, that's kind of how the, how the algorithms work. So they can show you stuff, but they also know who's, gonna, who's looking to sell their house mm -hmm. because they can see what websites you're on and deliver those ads to you Yeah, for the experience. So, yeah, that's kind of yeah. creepy. But from a marketer standpoint, it's good. Sure. So but then going back to making it harder for them to fill out the form, what are some of the barriers you're putting for them to fill it out? So normally what I'll do is we'll set, well, they'll click the ad. They go to a website. The website's going to say, hey, we're investors. We're not paying top dollar, but we can give you a cash offer. Mm -hmm. If you're interested, fill out this form. We'll ask for like name, phone number, email, address. So we captured that. Then we'll send them to a second step that says, okay, why do you want to sell? How fast do you want to sell? How much work's your property need? Confirm you're not working with a realtor. Mm -hmm. And we ask them like 10 more questions. After that, that's when we consider them a lead. Right. You know, so that second step, because there's a big drop right there. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of questions for online these days. Yeah. Yeah, I think, because uh, we had um, Brandon Bateman on the show. Mm -hmm. He talks about lead sculpting. Right. Right. So you, it sounds like you're just basically feeding the algorithm, hey, here are the people we want, here are the people we don't want. Right. And once you get into lead sculpting, too, that's actually basing off their answers, mm -hmm. right. too, because it's like, okay, this person said they're listed on the MLS. Let's send them to a different thank you page that doesn't have a lead event pixel on it. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that, too. So, yeah, right. you, can, you can go really far down the, down the trenches on, like, what data you feed back to them. Sure. Okay. So the other thing, too, you're talking about direct. Uh, one of the things that we've talked about on the show before is direct response marketing. So, you know, since we're talking about marketing right now, you want to share what direct response marketing means to you. Yeah. So what do you mean direct response marketing? Uh, so for me, you got, like, the Coca-Cola ads, right? You got unlimited budgets, mm -hmm. right? We don't have that. And you got the Dan Kennedy direct response marketing, right? Where like, we know if we spend X dollars, we'll get this leads, this right. many leads. So we're talking about being direct. How do you guys market effectively to ensure, you know, the, the maximum return on spend? Yeah, so KPIs. You got to like really look at your KPIs. And, and what a lot of people do is they look at the lead cost, mm -hmm. which you want to look at the deal cost. Because, for example, if you're getting, Facebook can have two different types of ads. You can have lead forms or push them to a website. Lead mm -hmm. form might cost you 20 bucks. Facebook going through your website might be 150 bucks. Yeah. So once you narrow that down, I usually look at KPIs like how many leads do we get? What's the cost per lead? What's the cost per appointment? What's the cost for qualified to buy, like someone that we could 
do something with, how much for the agreement, how much for closed. Mm -hmm. And then we work backwards there. And once you get enough data, then it's like, okay, up to a point where you max out your area. But it's like, okay, if we can double our budget, it should increase our deal flow. Right. To double until you like, you can only spend a certain amount of money though on different platforms you market, you max it out. Sure. Sure. Okay. What are some other glaring mistakes you're seeing from people uh, running digital marketing? A lot of people with it running it. Um, I see, I see a lot of people that are newer in the space. They don't even use the pixels, right? Or they don't use pixels on it. They'll, they'll be like, Hey, we're running Facebook ads. There's no pixel on our website. It's like you're throwing spaghetti into the wall and hoping it sticks. That's atrocious. Yeah. More, uh, more newer people trying to do it on their own. Yeah. That's, I just got sick in my stomach here. So, uh, for the less initiated, can we give them a real world analogy of what that's like? Like, what does it mean? Because we're talking about Facebook pixels, right? right. Someone listening, they might not have any idea what we're talking about as far as Facebook pixel. What's a good real world analogy to, to describe um, a Facebook pixel? Sure. So, Facebook pixel is a code on a website mm -hmm. that you just put on a, in your header section, right? You can't see it mm -hmm. uh, from, the, from the website. And what it does, it segments people that come onto your site. Mm -hmm. So, we'll have different objectives. There might be one called view content. And that means anytime someone hits your website, we fire the event that says view content. That tells Facebook, this person has been on our website. Right. So we have that audience. Then we have one for someone that's filled out a form. Mm -hmm. That's a lead objective, right? So now Facebook knows, okay, these people filled out forms. Mm -hmm. Once we get enough of them, we can tell Facebook, go find us more of these people. Yeah. But the nice thing is with having a Facebook pixel on your website, you can create these audiences so you can retarget them. Mm -hmm. So same way Amazon and everyone's showing you shoes, right. you can put your ads back in front of these people for cheap. Like retargeting might cost you five bucks a day. And you know they want to sell their house. Mm -hmm. They're just not ready today. Right. Yeah. So I think we were talking about like some real world like uh, potential uh, examples, right? Because we're talking about cookies here. Mm. Is, I don't know, uh, the best I can think of is like when you're, uh, you see these guys in these documentaries where they're rescuing animals, right? And like, you save like this, a bird in the woods you put like a little red tag on it right so now you know right on the gps where that bird is at all times you can track mm -hmm. where that bird is so you know like this is a bird that we took care of and just likewise you can now monitor <laughs> the people that have been on your website anyone everywhere exactly um and that, that and you build credibility that way because right. now they've been tagged like the bird mm -hmm. it's like okay hey steve you've been on our website now i'm going to show you ads of me talking for the next mm -hmm. seven days. Yeah. And then I'm going to show you testimonial videos mm -hmm. so you can really build up the, your credibility that way. And I think uh, Frank Kern had this thing, I think it was intent-based marketing. I think that's what he called it, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's basically, uh, if you know, if you saw uh, this one ad, all right, so first we're going to hit you with a pixel. Right. And then you're going to do the testimony video, right? Or like maybe why, why you should sell your house to someone like me. And then if they watch 30% of that video, now we're going to, super target those guys really hard. Right. Right. Cause if they watch 30% of like why you should sell your house to an investor like me video. Now we know there's like a super, super hot prospect. Right. Right. Is that, I assume that's some, like something along, along the lines of what you guys do. Yes. So yeah. So, so you have the, you have the pixel based mm -hmm. audiences, but then you can, you can base audiences based on how long people watch your videos, stuff right. like that. Or you can make audiences based on uh, how many people engage with your page. Mm hmm like liked it, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So you can make all these different audiences and then you just have to think, I always like to think from the user standpoint, okay, someone that just did that, what are they looking for? And then try to give them that. Like if they come to our website, I'm gonna show them something different than if they just watch 50% of our video. Yeah. Because they're a different stage of their process. For sure. 
And then another thing you talked about <clears throat> was um, we were just at CG Select last week. Mm-hmm. We were hanging out literally nine days ago. Right. Right. And you did a presentation on protecting your brand. Right. Do you want to give some insight to everyone that's listening right now what it means to protect your brand? Yeah, so protecting your brand. So here's how it is. In a, in a nutshell, when you're marketing online, you're doing, or even not online, direct mail, SMS, anything, people are Googling your brand. Mm-hmm. You have to bid on your brand name, like in Google Ads. So Google Ads, Google Steve Trang, real estate disruptors, whatever it is. So that when someone searches you, your competitor is not ranking there and mm-hmm. stealing your business. Yeah. So that's a big thing on brand. And then also with the retargeting, anyone who comes to your website, make sure you're staying in front of them because yeah. they're, they're already interested. Stay in front of them until they're ready because they might have inherited home. Mm-hmm. They're just not ready for six months. You know, yeah. So stay top of mind all the time. Yeah, we had Doug Hopkins on the show, I want to say like four years ago, three, four years ago. And I could tell it clearly irritated him that there are a lot of house buyers in our market who bid on the words Doug Hopkins. Yeah. And a lot of people do. <laughs> well, I mean, it makes sense. Right. Right. I've never done it. But we did. We used to bid on We Buy Ugly Homes. Yeah. Right. Um, we used to bid on We Buy Ugly Houses, but then homebusters got really upset with us. They do. They get pissed off. Yeah, they get pissed off. Yeah, so you we get, stopped. Did you get the letter? Oh, we got the letter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we stopped, uh, we stopped marketing for We Buy Ugly Houses, and we just started marketing for We Buy Ugly Homes. That's not trademark protected, so that right. was fine. And you know what? I think a lot of investors aren't uh, doing it intentionally either because a yeah. lot of people are just doing dynamic ads, mm-hmm. which will pop the name. Like if, if you Googled, like, I'm in Pittsburgh, 412 Houses, it'll pop that name into your ad. Right. So it looks like they're bidding on your name. A lot of guys are bidding on names, but mm-hmm. a lot of guys aren't too. Right. Well, it's up to Google to enforce because that's how we got the letter. Right? right. So Google was enforcing it. There was, no, there was nothing I could do about that. Yeah. Uh, so going back to here, so you've been doing predominantly the Burr model and one zip code for some time now. Uh, any potential to deviate from that at any point? Possibly. Okay. What are the circumstances where you would deviate? Um, when I get more time. Mm-hmm. So I'm so laser focused on, on the digital side right now. I don't want to go far, but eventually I'm going to want to build the portfolio bigger. And I'm looking to get into the more multis and bigger stuff. Mm-hmm. That's going to force me outside my area. Yeah. Why, multi, why, why multifamily? Uh, just because it looks like it's the same, a little bit more effort, mm-hmm. more money, but the same process. Yeah. Different process, but same. Like I can, I can spend the time doing one thing and you're just adding zeros onto the project. Right. You know what I mean? So I'm looking at the same on time. That, I think that's going to be more efficient use because turning a house is a pain in the butt. Oh, yeah. Like you, it's, you got a lot of time involved with there. So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, what if I did that and spent the effort turning something bigger, mm-hmm. spent a little bit more effort, but then it's done too and it's got an extra zero behind it. Right. Um, so we were talking about a lot of digital marketing, but that's not really what you guys do, but uh, sell. You guys sell leads because you guys are really good in the marketing side, which we've just spent a lot of time talking about. Right. So again, for someone that's not familiar, what is the difference between PPC marketing or paper, paper click marketing and paper lead marketing? Okay. And we do do the custom like paper click also, mm-hmm. but it's more of a custom thing. Most people gravitate towards a paper lead unless they want to scale real heavy. Sure. So here's what you have. You have Facebook, Google, paper click SEO. We'll call that custom marketing. That's where you hire an agency. They come in and manage your ads for you. They do everything custom. They build campaigns that send traffic to your website and help you generate leads. And the goal is to generate the most leads mm-hmm. that are quality at the least cost, right? 
paper lead marketing is when someone like me will say, you know what, I'll take the gamble that I can get leads in your area cheap enough mm-hmm. that I can sell you that lead in real time at a profit. Yeah. So it's the same marketing. We're doing Google, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. It's just we're marketing under our brand at a national level. Mm-hmm. Generate leads, say in Phoenix. It's like you don't have to worry about spending fifteen hundred, twenty five hundred a month for a retainer. It's like mm-hmm. you just pay for the leads when they come in. Are you wholesaling me leads? We'll you talk about it. Dirty son of. A- I look at it as I'm flipping leads. <laughs> like that—that's what this business is. Yeah. I'm buying low and yeah. trying to trying to sell them high. That's classic arbitrage. I think I love it. Right. So you're buying leads cheap and you're selling it to a, at a higher cost. Right. Same exact thing we're doing, wholesaling properties. Exactly. You're wholesaling leads. Yep. Got it. And because you guys have a national reach, you guys can uh, do it at a lower cost. Right. Because so that's a good point you bring up. So everyone, the way online works is it's usually impression-based in mm-hmm. area-specific. So if I market in one city, my cost per lead might be 250 mm-hmm. If I market to the whole state, it might be 200 and if I market to the entire country, it might be 100. So the bigger area you target, the cheaper the lead is. Right. Most people try, like I see a lot of guys out there like, oh yeah, you know what? I'm just going to market the whole state and mm-hmm. get real cheap leads. Then they fail because they don't know what to do with them. Mm-hmm. In my case though, if we have people that will buy them in those areas, we have enough clients, we can market to those big areas and get the cheaper lead cost. Mm-hmm. So it works out for us. So there was another major paper lead provider um, whose reputation has gone down just a little bit. Um, so my biggest fear always is if the paper lead provider is incentivized to sell me as many leads as possible, what is to stop them from getting some cheaper leads that are a little less reliable? Say, for example, Z buyer, right? Like what's to stop someone from going to Z buyer or uh, some other, you know, lead aggregator right. to resell it to us at a premium. Yeah. So there is nothing except for who's running it. Right. Mm-hmm. So I look at like reputations big on me. Yeah. So, and I, and I don't want to see people, I don't want to sell crappy leads to people cause I get to see them all the time. <laughs> and I just think it's a good way to like way I look at it is since I'm an investor, I want to do what I want. Mm-hmm. Like what I want as an investor, that's what I want to try to generate. Um, but a lot of lead providers, it depends on the model and it depends on the, um, investors business too because sometimes facebook lead forms that are ten dollars if you're just starting out you might be willing to call 200 people to get that deal right so it it depends on everyone's business me personally i think i like to focus on the lead side more judging um success on deals Mm -hmm. it's like okay hey we're gonna sell you leads but report back i want to know how many deals you're getting from that and make it work for you yeah so you're even though your compensation is based off paper lead you're still targeting a, a cost per contract yeah, so way way I work is because we're doing we have so many different sources, right? So mm-hmm. many different landing pages, things like that on the paper lead side, and some of them will come back come in with quality that we don't like. So all of our clients, I tell them we have a we have a build out in our dashboard. It's like report back, fill out. Hey, did this person answer? Is it uh? Did you get under contract? Did they set an appointment? Was it a bad information? Or did they say they never filled out a form? Or uh, they want top dollar? Yeah. Like if I know that feedback, I can go back and say, okay, you know what? This source at a global level is getting us people who want top dollar. We need to look at that messaging or pause it mm-hmm. and things like that. So everyone reports back, and the whole whole goal is to optimize to get the deals. Okay, so then you can now attach it like, okay, the complaints we're getting are based off this particular uh, source. Right, and it could be the ad. It could be the landing page. It could mm-hmm. be something that slipped by us. It's like it's resonating. Like we thought it would get us good good leads, and it's just not. Got it. Okay. You know, 
and what might work. I mean, we've learned this. Right? What might work in one city won't necessarily work in another city. Definitely. I right. see that all the time, too. It's like someone crushing in Pittsburgh and New Jersey doesn't work. Yeah. It's the exception to the rule when we say this won't work in my market. Actually, we can tell digital marketing that won't work in your market. Right. But digital will work in everyone's market. It just depends on, like, some of the messaging has to be changed. Exactly. exactly. You know? Um, and then handling online leads. I mean, you just spend a lot of time talking to my team, really. Right. On working with, with online leads. So why don't you share some at a high level? What are some things that someone can do today? to dramatically increase the conversion for their digital leads? Yeah, so the biggest thing I see in digital that most investors don't understand, you have to call leads fast. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you think about it, again, from the user side, say it's, say it's Google pay-per-click. Sellers don't know what they're looking for. Like, they might not even know investors are out there. They just Googled sell my house fast. Mm -hmm. So they're clicking the first ad, clicking the second ad, clicking the third ad. Whoever gets back to them that they like the most usually gets a deal, and then they're going to ghost everybody else. They're not going to answer. So that's the number one thing I can stress, like call leads quick. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but then it's different things like have, like I personally send out a text message immediately when someone fills out a form, it says, thanks for filling out a form. Here's a link to our calendar to book an appointment. That was a game changer for us. Yeah. Again, back to Google, it's like if they fill out three forms or if they filled out, you're the first one. They fill it out, they get a text. You just pulled them away in their phone to Calendly. Mm -hmm. The likelihood of them going back is low now. Right. Because they just booked an appointment. It's like, okay, I got what I needed for the time being. Um, so those are some tips there. Uh, have a CRM. you got to follow up with these people forever. Yeah. Because you're going to get the people that want to sell yesterday, mm -hmm. and then you're going to get the other people. Like, out of 10 leads, six of them are going to be no good. Like, they want too much money. They're not a fit, whatever it is. Four of them are probably deals you want. Mm -hmm. You usually lock down one, right? Right. So those six and other four, like the nine leads, so they're selling at some point. Some of them might, some of them might not. But- uh, just stay in front of them for as long as possible. Right. Um, do you have, uh, so you're saying potentially one in 10, and then the other three will sell. Do you have an idea? Two months, six months? Depends. Situation-based, yeah. you know. Uh, what, are the, uh, what are some of the mistakes you're seeing from investors that are trying to close these online leads? So I see guys, I see a lot of people that I talk with that just go in looking for price. Like on the call. In the, really? Yeah, really. Like, if, like they don't know how to handle conversations sometimes. So people will Very call. Very aggravating as a sales trainer. Right, yeah. You need to, you need to talk, right? Yeah. <laughs> but so I see a lot of people don't go in there trying to find out, okay, hey, seller, what's your problem? Mm -hmm. And then they're going to lie to you and then keep probing. Like, because if you can find out what their problem is, then you can find a solution. Right. You know, versus just, just worrying about, hey, you know what? I got a price over the phone. That didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So I'm just not going. So I see a lot of guys not... So they're qualifying too early. Right. And not going to the appointments. Mm -hmm. Like, go to the appointments. Even if a person tells you, say their house is 200 grand, they tell you they want 180, but they have motivation, go to that house because that number doesn't mean anything. Yeah. You have to keep digging and find out, like, what the problem is, which you know. Yeah. Uh, but I see a lot of people dealing with that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's my absolute belief that what they ask for is just a data point. Mm -hmm. It's not... Wrong is not right. It's just a piece of data, right? Just like they've owned it for five years, you have an idea of how much they want for it, and that's it. Right. But if you're putting a lot of weight on it, you're completely screwing yourself. Yeah, and it's it's a numbers game. It's like mm -hmm. you go on more appointments, you're going to get more deals. Right. I don't. You just have to figure out what your percentage is. Sure. Because you know, then you can scale it. It's like okay, if I go in ten appointments, I get a deal. 
20 appointments should get me two. Uh, what other mistakes are you seeing? Uh, a lot of guys don't have CRMs or, or dialed up CRMs, which I think we talked about. Mm -hmm. The main thing is the speed. Like on the online side, speed and then sales. Like there's not much to real estate. Like it's yeah. like you get a lead, you lock it up, and you're done. Yeah. Well, one thing I'm seeing, and I'd like to get your perspective on this. One thing I'm seeing is a super motivated closer takes the lead, right? Mm -hmm. And tries to go from a, an inquiry online, call that lead, get Mr. Driscoll on the phone, and try to close you on a contract that very call, right? Yeah. Versus, which I believe, this is, this is not fact, it's just my belief, my truth, is that my job when, I, when, I, when you first fill out that web form is to sell an appointment. And then from that appointment, sell you on selling your house to me. Right. right, so I believe it has to be two steps, but you're doing the digital marketing side. I love to hear your perspective. A hundred percent. Yeah. So, so I get these guys hit me up sometimes. They want to do virtual, right? Mm -hmm. Like, hey, we're going to sell everyone on the phone, things like that. And they hit me back up in two months. Some of them it worked, very few. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm I'm with you. That first call is to sell that appointment. Yeah. And then you have to go build a rapport. You have to like find out can you work with these people? Like, can you help them out? And then let them like make them comfortable with you. Right. So yeah, I'm hundred percent with you there. Yeah. I'm just wondering what it is. You see a lot of these guys and maybe just cause we're, we're hard charging and like, yeah, they fill out a form. Clearly they have to sell. And can you sell a contract? Can you sell your services over the phone and a 45 minute conversation with the phone? Absolutely. You could, but you know, the example I've been using very, very recently, very recent is the Celtics, right? You can build a team that's based on hitting threes. But on those days where your threes aren't going in, yeah. you're completely screwed. So why not build a reliable process versus a process that's totally dependent on one make or break thing that right. if it doesn't work, all else is lost. Well, and getting a deal on a phone doesn't mean it's going to close. Yeah. So a lot of guys are like, yeah, we locked it up. We locked it up. And they have a 50% drop rate. <laughs> right? So, yeah. it's, so it's like... You got you gotta you gotta have that person come because it's a sixty day process a lot of yeah. times. Oh yeah, they, they have to not bail on you for sixty days. Like there has to be good rapport built. When I first got into this business, uh, my mentor, uh, he said real estate real estate is the big league of sales, and I was like, well, that seems like a pretty bold statement, yeah. right? Like, where that, <laughs> I mean, I get that we're in real estate, but that seems a little self uh, aggrandizing, aggrandizing, whatever, yeah. right? But really full of ourselves. And I was like, okay, so where do you come up with that? And he's like, well, real estate is the only sale uh, that you have to close them today and keep them closed right. and sold on you for months, right? If I get Mr. Brian Driscoll to agree to sell his house, uh, not as a buyer, but to sell his house with me as a realtor, I got to get you signed a listing agreement today. And then for the next six months, when you're frustrated that the house hasn't sold yet, you still have belief. I'm your guy. Right. That's a long sell. That is not a, uh, this is not selling a car where once you drive off the lot, it's a done deal. Yeah, it's not impulse. It's not, like the impulse, they'll change their mind. Yeah. Uh, the other thing too, just for everyone that's listening, you and I, we just kind of touched on it, but you know, the, I always say we have to sell appointments, right? And a lot of people, they hire lead managers or VAs uh, to set appointments or schedule appointments or book appointments. And that works. Not saying it doesn't work, but I believe you've got to sell the appointment, right? You got right. to convince them that 
meeting with you face to face or over the phone for these guys virtually at a short time later, you got to keep them sold on showing up on that appointment. Right. Not just like, Hey Brian, you know, uh, can, you know, we want to talk about, talk, talk to you about selling your house. Like, yeah, just give me a call tomorrow morning. Yep. We're like, okay, that's not selling an appointment. Right. <laughs> that's taking an order. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which you, you, for you, like, so, and that brings up something too, because I, I talked to a lot of guys who are like, hey, you know what, we're going to generate these leads and we're going to have a VA call them. It's like, <laughs> okay, you just, you just generated a lead and you're going to have, which VAs are good for a lot of things. VAs are great in a lot of things. Right. But in this case, it's like you just generate, you just spend a couple hundred dollars for this lead. Mm-hmm. They will book the appointment with that person that's going to, they're just looking to sell. Mm-hmm. But the people that are on the fence, I believe you're losing, you're leaving a lot of money on the table at the most crucial time in the lead generating process. Yeah. So you're willing to spend in my market, right? We're spending some of, for some keywords, we're $78 a click mm-hmm. for some of our keywords. Yeah. Right. Click per click. Click. Expensive. Not the lead. Yep. Not a registration. Not an appointment. Just for them to click on Google. We're spending I, I think the highest I've seen is seventy eight dollars. Yeah. You need at least ten clicks, they probably get a lead. Right. Get a good close rate. So it's seven hundred and eighty bucks for one lead. Right. And then to spend four to six dollars on a VA to create the very first impression. Right. It's like walking into like a Mercedes Benz dealership. And like the sign's kind of falling off. Yeah. Right. Like this is the first impression you want to make on a guy that's ready to spend a hundred grand in your car. Right. And give, give it to your acquisitions guy. Reward him. Those are yeah. the hottest leads. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. You want him to be excited. Right. About the leads. So, okay, cool. I think we beat that topic to death, which is good. Um, so one thing you're talking about is marketing works if it's done consistently. Yeah. Consistently is one of those funny things. You know? right. What is it, right? Yeah, because um, I think we either uh, last week when I was doing the presentation from the main stage, mm-hmm. right? I was saying like, you know, we as entrepreneurs say we'll do whatever it takes. But there's an asterisk. Right. And the asterisk is like, except like execute or be consistent. Yep. Right. 100%. So consistently marketing. What does consistent marketing mean? So I think all marketing will work, not even necessarily digital. All marketing will work if done consistently. Mm-hmm. So- if you're going to send mailers, you can't just do one drop and say, you know what, mailers don't work. You have to drop them for like six months. Mm-hmm. And the time period on when testing things is going to be different. I'd say on digital, give it six months. Same with mail. Uh, some things you might be able to tell quicker, maybe like SMS, things like that. Mm-hmm. But commit. Because I see a lot of guys get into space. They're like, you know what? We tried that. We got four leads. That didn't work. Yeah. It's like if you do it consistently, if you door knock consistently or you drive for dollars or you do digital, they're all going to work. It just depends on the extent mm-hmm. and how much it costs because door knocking costs sweat. Digital costs money. Right. So you can either trade sweat or money. It depends mm-hmm. on which one you want to do and where you're at in your career. Yeah. Uh, so Dean Graziosi, someone we've had on the show, uh, someone I had the tra- chance to learn from, uh, from the stage. And I remember one of the things he talked about a lot about was marketing stamina. Right. Mm. He with the most marketing stamina will win because they can, they can last longer uh, during any kind of lull. And we had a lull last year. I mean, right. lull might be an understatement, right? Yeah. But those that could continue marketing throughout this entire lull are feasting today. Yep. Right. And then I mentioned Dan Kennedy earlier. And uh, one of the things he talked about was the, uh, to have a, a, a business that's built around marketing uh, was 
I will win in the long run if I can afford to spend more on marketing than you can, right? So if I have a really efficient uh, operation and I know my marketing copy is better than you, I know that my cost per lead is better than yours, I know my conversion rates are better than yours, Yep. I could just outspend you and crush you. And it works. And it I'm works. a believer in that too. Yeah, right? So I think, you know, some of the most brilliant marketing minds kind of say the same thing you're saying in a slightly uh, more aggressive the way they say it. Right. Right. But marketing works so long as you can do it consistently. And outspending your competition works well too. Yeah. Just because if, think about it, if you're outspending, you're in a city, you're on TV, sending mail, you're on billboards, doing digital, retargeting people, you're just everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's like when people, eventually people are going to be like, that's the guy. Right. Like you're just going to pop up. No, that's the guy. Mm -hmm. You know? Oh yeah, we got that. We got the Mr. Doug Hopkins in our market today. Yep. Yeah, that guy will not go away. I keep telling him he should retire. Like, he should spend time with his grandkids. Yep. Uh, he's not really interested in uh, <laughs> that's how it works. In retiring. Well, and real estate investors are all aggressive people. <laughs> it's like, that's why clicks are 70 bucks. Yeah. It's like, what do you mean you just outbid me? Bump up the price? Oh, yeah. Oh, you, I had a person that used to work for me, and he said that um, his clients were attorneys, right? Yeah. And he and a few different marketers were working together, and they're like, it was easy for them to make more money. All they had to do, right, because they got paid for, uh, as, as a percentage of ad spend. Okay. All they had to do was go sit, tell one attorney, hey, I just heard this attorney is spending this much on marketing. Yep. And I was like, oh, that's unacceptable. <laughs> Spend more money on marketing. And they just had like, I think it was like eight to 10 of these guys, marketing guys, that had every attorney in town. Yeah. And they would just always trade stories. And it just every month, it was just this, uh, it's, a, what, it's, it's, it's a, like a vicious cycle. It's a nuclear arms race. Yeah. Right, like they're just gonna keep. <laughs> it is so true because it's a per like attorneys, uh, real estate investors. Like it's a it's a specific type of personality that does this stuff. Yeah, it's very competitive. You're right. It's like, hey, you know what? You just got outbid. You someone just outranked you. Mm -hmm. It's like, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. Like, raise it up. What do yeah. you talk? You know, <laughs> I will not be all spent. <laughs> yep. Uh, we have a couple of other things, but I wanted to make sure we get to the audience's questions as well. So uh, let's do this. Let's just take a quick, quick break, and then we will get to the audience's questions. We're giving them the GPS of what they have to do to show up every single day and execute with excellence and stay in the revenue driving activities. If you have a rep that is not producing, it is your fault. You have to have and hold that responsibility and get down and coach to where they need to be. So let's create that mentality for them. They are running their business. We are terrible at reading people when it comes to performance inside of how they're gonna operate your organization. 90% of people that are in sales roles do not know what a key performance indicator is. But they need to have a fundamental understanding of how that KPI specifically to them drives revenue. And more than that, how it drives their income. It takes a different level of person to get to that six-figure mark. Let's hire to the six-figure mark. All right, so going to the audience here, uh, looking on YouTube, Trent uh, wants to know, if you were going to do virtual, what would an appointment look like? Uh, would it be a Zoom call, or would you have boots on the ground and meet with a homeowner later? Well, if I, I don't do virtual, so I don't know if I'm the best person to give advice here, but if I were, <clears throat> I would generate a lead, I would build rapport with the seller, I would send someone over to take pictures, 
mm-hmm. like boots on the ground to take pictures, and I'd have extra, I'd have them taking a lot of pictures. Like here's a laundry list of things that I need to know. Mm-hmm. Because how do you make an offer on a on a property that like it could be worth two hundred grand or the foundation could be busted? Mm-hmm. So I'd get all the pictures and then finalize it that way. And I'd have a couple different dispo methods. Yeah, like it wouldn't just be cash. I'd probably have novations. Um, Listing it on MLS, like you'd mm-hmm. have to have a couple different ways to make that work, in my yeah. opinion. So you would build a rapport with the seller, and then send the the photographer over, and then make the offer. I'd probably tell. I'd probably gauge from them first. Mm-hmm. Hey, tell me about your house. Like, what's the condition like? Yeah, and have them tell me. Maybe even walk around on their phone showing me. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, you know what? If everything's like you say it is, I'd probably be between this and this. Yeah. Is that how? Does that like where you wanted to be? Yeah, so for us, what we've done is we've we've ran the appointment over the phone and get the signed contract, and then our due diligence period begins after we get the photos. It's probably a better way, right? Yeah. Um, and the only reason why was because what we were finding was that we would have a contract, and our due diligence period would begin. Yeah. All right, Brian, I need the photos. Yeah, I'll get it to you. Hey, Brian, I need the photos. Yeah, I'll get it to you. Hey, Brian, uh, our due diligence expires tomorrow. Yeah. Right, so we just had to we just change the language. Like due diligence begins uh, the day after we get photos, so that we were no longer on that time constraint. shooting ourselves in the foot. Another thing we had to do as well was we had to our um, our close of escrow date uh, was always some number of days after the due diligence period ended. Again, pressure is now on them, right, to give us the photos versus the hey, I need to get in there. Uh, are you guys going to answer the phone here? Right. And I would urge anyone listening to like belly to belly is going to win. Yeah. Just because you, it, it's just, I see it in the numbers. You might have a one out of 25 close rate virtual or one out of 20 mm-hmm. versus one out of 10 face to face. So that's what I recommend. There. Yeah. I, I always love belly to belly. Um, I know we're old school, right? We're both showing our age. Uh, but at, in, in the long run, conversion rates will be higher face to face than over the phone. And um, in our careers, right? For myself, 16 years in the business myself, as well as everyone un- under- underneath me, we had only twice ever been physically removed from a home. Yeah. Where, like, they actually put hands on us <laughs> and actually asked us to leave. Twice. Yeah. Right? But being hung up on, that's a fairly regular occurrence. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, AI entrepreneur on YouTube, what or who is a good resource to learn Google AdWords and Facebook PPC? Oh, that's a good question because I learned I'm self-taught. Mm-hmm. There are I don't know many. Oh, there's a guy named Jeff who has a Facebook or Google Paper Click course. Um, I don't remember his last name. Google. He's he's you'll find him. Mm-hmm. His name's Jeff. Um, but I I'm more of a fan of trial by error because yeah. a lot of the guys selling stuff they're selling the the course. It's like go play go make some ads. You can go on Upwork, Fiverr, make ads, things like that, and run them that way. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he's still relevant today, but uh, I was always a really big fan of Perry Marshall. Yeah. Right. Um, he wrote the eighty twenty, the book eighty twenty on marketing, or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I've always been a really big fan of Perry Marshall. Um, and then I, I'm pretty sure there's all sorts of places you can learn online. On, you know on, what? I'll give you a link. Some videos I made how to run Facebook ads mm-hmm. like for free. It's the okay. same thing I was giving out in CG. So okay. You can just put it in the show notes. For, okay. Not. All right, guys. So. Uh, later on, check out the show notes. We will have the link for how to do uh, Facebook PPC. So um, going back to uh, some of the questions I had as well, um, I noticed that when you send me emails, it's from motivated-leads.com. Right. 
but your brand is motivated leads with no dash. Right. When did you make that transition? I got the domain like eight months ago. Okay. So how long ago were you running motivated dash leads? Eight months ago. No, no, the, the, the hyphenated one. I was running that for the since we started till eight months ago. Okay. And then so, we switched our website over. So for the last 10 years, you had it hyphenated. And eight months ago, you bought the non-hyphenated domain. Yeah, we... um. We've only been doing motivated leads for three years. Okay. So yeah, the last two and whatever, mm -hmm. it was hyphenated, and then the last eight months, not hyphenated. Okay. So question here. I don't know if you feel comfortable answering this question. What did you have to pay to get the non-hyphenated domain? You know what? It's a funny story, dude. <laughs> so I was speaking at an event. It was a million-dollar meeting. Mm -hmm. I was speaking there, right? And someone comes up to me in the audience. They're like, motivated leads, right? I'm like, yeah. They're like, we own motivatedleads.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm like, really? How much does it cost? Like, I've been looking for this thing. And what are the odds of that? Right. Like someone in the room owns your domain. So we worked out a barter. It's, she's like, she's like, it's my boss's. He just like hoards domains, like buys a whole bunch of them to flip. Mm -hmm. She's like, let me talk to him. It took me like a month. I was talking with her. I'm like, how much are we talking? She's like, he doesn't really want any money. Can you run our, our marketing? Mm -hmm. Our pay-per-click? Yeah. Right. So like. It didn't cost a penny. Like, we didn't have to pay for it. Remarkable. I, and I would have paid a lot of money. Not a lot of money, but I would have paid a little bit of money yeah. for it. So I bought disruptors.com, right? So, again, I talked about WeLive earlier. So I'm going to WeLive. I see, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk's going to be speaking. I was like, well, real estate disruptors at some point might just be disruptors. Right. Or we might just go entrepreneurs versus real estate investors. So I'm going to... Throw my hat in the ring and see what I can get disruptors.com for. And I think the first thing was like 32000 you know? And like over time, they would reach out to me. I was like, yeah, I can't. Even if I wanted to pay thirty two grand, right? I can't, right? And so eventually over time, we agreed on 8000 Like, I can do 8000 but I can't do it up front. So they seller financed it over 12 months. That's solid. Right? So they yeah. seller financed disruptors.com. So for me, and by the way, I can guarantee you, I can't guarantee you. Well, just about damn near guarantee I've done at least one additional transaction because it's just disruptors.com. Right. It's just so easy to say. Right. You know, like motivate, go to our website, motivated-leads.com. Like yeah. that's so confusing. Right. You know? Uh, and then see here, over the course of years, right, I got stunninghomes.com, just bought stunningrealestate.com. Um, and then on the realtor side, you know, I bought chandlerhomes.com, gilberthomes.com, tempehomes.com. These are all... Yeah, the local areas. Local areas, right? MesaRealEstate.com, and for all of those, it's anywhere between two thousand and forty five hundred, which might sound like a lot of money, but since I was doing so much PPC marketing, domain relevancy right. was definitely helping with quality score. Again, I can't say with absolute certainty, but I'm pretty sure I saved thousands and thousands of dollars on Google Paper Click marketing just because of the quality score from the domain. Yeah, and and it's easier to rank too. Yeah. Just more relevant. Well, if I actually spent some effort there, I definitely could have gotten that. But mm. shiny object syndrome, this truck, this strike multiple times yeah. <laughs> in my career. Um, and then you recently launched a podcast, or not recently? You you have yeah, a podcast. About a year ago. So what was the thought process behind the podcast? So my thought process was I didn't know how to talk on camera. Mm -hmm. So really, really. Like, like I, I was always like really good face to face. You're a sales guy. Okay, yeah. So you're really good face to face. Really good face to face. I stick a camera in front of me, and I'm stumbling. Like I gotta, I gotta knock this off. Uh -huh. Right. So my whole objective was, 
to start something that consistently week over week forced me to talk on camera. Mm-hmm. That that's where the podcast came from. Got it. So it it was I didn't want to start a podcast necessarily. It was me trying to achieve a goal that I was trying to hit, mm-hmm. and then it grew into a podcast. And like I, someone told me this a long time ago. Actually, my brother told me this. He's mm-hmm. like, when you start, because he's a big streamer. He's like, uh, when you start, no one's watching your stuff anyway, so it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So go stumble. And by the time people are watching, you'll yeah. have it figured out a little bit. Yeah, we have, uh, so we do certainty talks, right? That's the one I do with Paul Sparks on Fridays. And one of the things we talk about is a forcing function. If you do something and it helps you do multiple things, then that's what you should do. Right. Right. So if it's forcing you to create content and to become better in front of the camera, then you should do it. Right. And there's a few other things too, right? Forcing function, is it a cost saving? Is it a time saving? And does it bring in revenue? Well, it definitely brings in revenue for the for the marketing side. Cost and time savings, that's a whole different story. I have no idea. But anything that you're doing that it, it conquers multiple objections objectives is at least worth examining to see if it's worth doing it. hundred percent. So what would you say has been your return on, on effort on having a podcast? It's a, it's it's huge. I don't know necessarily dollar wise, but relationship wise, because mm-hmm. I can get in front of people that I couldn't call and just talk to. Yeah. But if I invite them on the podcast, we get to chat for half an hour, an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's big there. So when I was trying to do SEO again back in the day, um, I did. I spent a lot of time and effort on SEO. Um, I was, um, I was doing that before you were doing it. At least you were doing it uh, 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 as a service. So you you definitely remember these days. Do you remember when Panda and Penguin hit? Oh yeah. Right. I was. That was hard. It was hard. That was hard. Right. It crushed a lot of people. I remember the morning. Yeah, I remember the morning I was working on my buddy's e-commerce website and his sales just dipped. All right. Like, so for everyone that's listening, what what was Panda and Penguin? So Panda was based more on content. Mm-hmm. Penguin was based on link building. Yeah. So if you built links to your website, they're, they're, so in Google building links, it, we're we'll take a step back here. So so here we have SEOs ranking in a free section of Google search engine optimization SEO. Right. right. So you're building links to your website, and what Google's looking at is on your website are the words and everything relevant because mm-hmm. Google wants to give the answer to whatever someone's searching. So you have, okay, relevancy on your website. Then you have links from other people's website linking to your website. Mm-hmm. So technically we're trying to manipulate the search engine, which is against Google's terms of service. Technically white hat at the time. Yeah. Technically white hat. They even had videos encouraging it. Right. Well, even now, like we still do link building. Mm-hmm. All, I think all SEOs kind of like gray hat it. it Cause like, what are the, your, your Google says, don't manipulate the search engine. SEO is manipulating a search engine. Like right. we're trying to rank. So back then though, we were building links just to rank, not based on user experience. Mm-hmm. So we would build a whole bunch of links to the website. It would rank. We'd be crushing it. And then Penguin came out one morning, like business, like my buddy, it, we were doing like, I don't know, 20,000 in sales maybe. Mm-hmm. He was down to 4,000 next day. Yeah. Like that stuff stings. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it, was, it, it wasn't wrong. Just Google just decided, hey, you know what? We're not counting them anymore. Yeah. So I got sandboxed. So I went from like number two, yeah, right, for Tempe Real Estate, Tempe Homes for Sale, to not even in the first 20 pages. Right? I got sandboxed. Uh, but in part of doing my own SEO was I would go and interview other bloggers. Okay. So we were doing this. Kind of, it's not, it wasn't a link wheel, but we were definitely exchanging links. Yeah, link exchange. Right? Yep. And it was just blogging. And the best way to get a link from an influential blogger was, hey, Brian, I'd like to interview you. And it wasn't video. It wasn't audio. Because back then, right. <laughs> it was just text and pictures. Yep. Right? But we're building all these links. And so 
the best way to rank was just to interview other people and write out a nice summary. Show notes these days, right? Right. The chat GPT can just pop out like it's nothing. But back then, we actually had to write an article, right? Mm. And a link to each other, right? And um, today's equivalent of that is like, hey, Brian, you seem like you're important and you have a story to share. How about you jump on my podcast and let's talk it through, right? Let's talk it out. And it's highly effective. The number of doors I've been able to open for having this podcast is just ridiculous. I don't, I can't think of anyone I can't get a hold of. Right. If I needed to in real estate, outside of real estate, we're still working on that. Right. I don't have Grant Cardone or Donald Trump's number yet. Right. Or, you know, yet, yet or Elon or Gary Vee. But, you know, the, the entire real estate community, if I absolutely, actually, I take that back. If I absolutely needed to get Grant Cardone on the phone, pretty sure I could. Right. I would just have to call in all my favors. <laughs> I, would have to, I would put all my chips on the table. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right there with the podcast, though. Like anyone thinking about doing it too, I would, I would do it because you're right. It does open up doors. Mm-hmm. You get to meet so many different people, yeah. and you get and I like it too because you get to have intelligent conversations. Right. You know. You actually get to pick their brain, and they enjoy it. And you don't have to pay them. You don't have to pay them. Like it's like I get to pick your brain for a half an hour, mm-hmm. hour, right. and ask you all the questions I want to know for free. Yeah. So like people were asking, like Steve, how are you able to get these people open? I was like, I don't know. They wanted to come on the show, and I've got questions. Right. <laughs> so. Going into um, uh, the your business today, right? Like, if you were to describe it, what it looks like today, versus when you bought your second house off of Craigslist, what are the biggest differences? Oh man, that's a good question. So back then, I didn't have a business; mm-hmm. I had a hustle, right? Now, and still I still have that hustle. I still have to do it, but I don't do much on it. Yeah. Like, so, so back then, if I'm buying a house, I'm going to buy it. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to stress about closing on it. Then I'm trying to come up with the money on it. Then I'm trying to do the remodel myself, like dealing with Craigslist guys or whatever, mm-hmm. then getting screwed. And then, like, that whole process. Now, on the real estate side, I get a lead, I go meet them, I lock it up, and I pass it to someone else. Mm-hmm. 40 days later or whatever, I come back, it's finished. Then I pass it to a property manager. Yeah. So, like, I found that I work well not dealing with other people in a sense, like in that space, yeah. more tenants. Mm-hmm. Cause I get, cause I get screwed. You know what I mean? Like I'm, well, actually we ha- I think we had a conversation about this. It was I like, yeah, you're like, I don't have, I have this problem where like, I'm always super nice to tenants and like they take advantage. I was like, Oh, it's a simple solution. Like what's that? Stop talking to the tenants. Right. So, so at that point on a real estate side, it looks way different. Cause I streamlined it. I'm investing, but it's almost not necessarily passive, but it doesn't take a lot of time for me. Mm-hmm. In the marketing side, we're growing so fast, it's like, it's blowing my mind. Yeah. Just because we're actually, I'm dealing with struggles I've never thought I'd have, like building out teams, things like that, uh, dealing with all those pains. Mm-hmm. But it's really fun because it's a different problem every day. Yeah. If you, I wake up, I know there's going to be five problems. Like, you know what I mean? If you just sure. expect it, it's, it's, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, work-life balance. You know, this is one of those things that a lot of people have different opinions on. Whether it's real, whether it's not, you know, I planted my flag last week on stage in front of everyone. It's like it's a real thing if it's a priority. Mm-hmm. What is your perspective on work-life balance? I think it's a priority too, because before it depends where you're at in your career too. Mm-hmm. So when I was hustling, trying to make a bunch of money, like trying to make it, I worked like twenty hours a day. I, I don't know what it was. I woke up at like five. I worked till eight on the digital marketing from nine to five. I went to the insurance. 
came home, ate dinner, and like after the kids went to bed, like seven to nine or seven to ten, I worked mm. again. So it was nonstop, not healthy, right? Especially when you have a family. But I had to do it at that point. Like I, I just had to get over the hump to be able to like do what I do now. So now I still wake up at five. Mm-hmm. So I'll work like five to five. But then at five o'clock, I try to just be done. Yeah. Because, and I, I have a problem. I think a lot of people have a problem too with their phone. It's like, I almost need to leave the phone in a different room. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it keeps bothering me because I'm trying to spend time with the family and uh, pay attention to the kids when they're talking, not have them in my ear and then be looking at whatever too. Right. So I think work-life balance is a real thing. Like you said, like you got to stick your phone in airplane mode or do something or leave mm-hmm. it in the other room and do it intentionally. Yeah. Um, so what kind of freedom does real estate or your business afford you? Uh, it affords me a lot of real, a lot of freedom. Like I can kind of do what I want mm-hmm. um, within reason. Like you say, hey, you want to come out for a podcast? Like boom, I hop on a plane and right. I'm here. So it affords to be able to make different decisions. So my decision-making process from being successful in business is different because like I have a reserve account, things like that. I don't have to worry about how I'm going to pay my, my mortgage next month, mm-hmm. things like that. So that kind of helps me out. Like if that answers the question. It absolutely does. Uh, what is your why? My why? I get a couple. I, I like to help people. My why and the motivated leads is just because I want to crush everybody. Like I just want to be the dominating force. Mm-hmm. Like it's competition. Yeah. Um, I like to help people. I like to earn money to like help other people with it, like charities, things like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just competitive. I, I, I get bored. Like I want to do things. Like, you know what I mean? So it's an interesting dichotomy, right? On one side, you really want to help people. On the other side, you really want to crush people. Right. And I've got this issue as well. So how, like, what is the, <laughs> what is the reason behind that? Right? You want to serve or dominate or right. serve and dominate. Yeah. Like if we're in a ring, I want to win. Mm-hmm. But if I see someone hurting, like I want to help them. Yeah. So, so it's like, if we're going to fight, mm-hmm. like, like if we're competing, I want to win the competition. Right. But the people we're helping, they're not trying to compete. They're trying to survive. Mm-hmm. So it's different. Yeah. So that, that's kind of where I'm at. Got it. Is there anything in particular you got like a, a, a cause or a soft spot for? Um, I, so what I do is I put 10% of my, I have all these different bank accounts, right? Mm-hmm. So I have like my reserve account, all this. And I have 10% I put in just an account. It's just my give account. Yeah. And I have that there. So when something pops up, I can give without even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. So like we went to, I went to the Guatemala trip with CG last year. Mm-hmm. Like that was touching. You know what I mean? That made a big difference uh, experiencing that. But it's not necessarily, I just like to, there's not one specific thing I like to go for. It's more like, I think p- things are going to pop up. Mm-hmm. And when they do, I can just help. So you're talking about the experience in Guatemala. Mm-hmm. What was your experience in Guadal- Guatemala? It was insane. We went down there and, uh, really poor like have you ever been down there Mm-mm. okay really really poor right but everyone's really happy yeah they're living in like we're in a room probably what 30 by 20 something like that yeah. they're living in a house that's 10 by 10 made of hut like tin hut with dirt on the floor and they're happy mm-hmm. right so it gives you perspective there yeah but also how people are living too it's like really really poor so because i came home I, I went in my garage i remember this i go in my garage i'm like I live in a freaking, I don't live in like a huge house, mm-hmm. but like I live in a mansion because my garage is bigger than their place. Right. So, and um, they just have a lot of stuff because uh, the place we went to, 
It's called Transforming Futures. Uh, Pablo down there, he helps people in orphanages. What happens is they're in an orphanage. When they turn 18, they're, they're out on the street. Like they just have to fend for themselves. So a lot of people get into drugs or whatever. So his organization helps the kids prepare for that, get jobs to be able to survive. So I thought that was really cool. But just seeing that whole atmosphere there, it's like, dude, we went to the top of a freaking mountain. It was like a volcano and there's people living up there. Wow. You know, like there was, there was one kid that they got these little like motorcycle types of things and he got hit by a motorcycle and his leg was busted. They were showing his pictures and the lady said, his mother said, she's like, you know what? It's not as bad as he broke his leg, but it broke him. Like she said it like, cause he has to, cause it, here we get, we get a broken arm kid. They get to sit and play video games all day. Mm-hmm. This kid gets to sit in bed for six months with no TVs or anything. Mm-hmm. So it's just like a whole different experience. It's perspective. Right. You know, it shows what's out there. Yeah. And it kind of goes back to show you like, you know, our dispositions. If we're a happy person, we'll be happy despite the circumstances. But if we're an unhappy person, we'll be unhappy despite the circumstances. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to see someone happy in that environment and, you know, the other thing, too, like what I've learned about it um, is a lot of these kids, they basically live in a garbage dump. Right. Like, not an exaggeration. They literally live in a garbage dump in some of the ways that they eat is the leftovers from other people that are throwing it's their scavenging. food scavenging. Yeah. It's an insane, yeah. insane circumstance. Um, what is your biggest struggle right now? Oh, that's a good question. My struggle is just constantly staying focused. Like, I always have to keep pulling back to center. Because mm-hmm. it's like right now, um, I was just talking with someone last month. They're, they're pretty successful in business. I'm like, hey, what's your number one tip? They're like, ride the wave. I'm like, okay. And it makes sense. It's like when you have something working, just do that. Lean into it. It's so hard because it's like I had four things pop up today. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? And it's like you want to get keep pulling back. It's like ride this wave. As long as it is, because this over here, probably there's an 80% chance it's not going to work, mm-hmm. but it's going to pull you from what you're doing. Yeah. So my struggle, and, and I'm pretty good at it too, is just staying really hyper-focused on, on what's working right now mm-hmm. and riding it. I always feel like I'm the fat guy at the buffet, right? Especially <laughs> in the digital space, because uh, I feel like I don't know when the buffet's shutting off. Mm-hmm. So when all you can eat buffet, I don't know when they're shutting it off, so I have to like get as much as possible while it's open. Yeah, I love that. It's a trigger warning, right, for some people there. <laughs> Fat guy at the buffet. Yeah. Uh, and you talk about, like, you know, staying focused or, or, or staying into it. Because for sure, that's always my biggest focus. And, like, I've spent a lot of time investing into this and so on. But, like, talking about having a podcast and opening doors and creating opportunities for myself, my biggest struggle is, like, hey, let's do this. Hey, let's do that, right? Like, I'm looking here with what we're doing on, on, on the community side. And then we're looking like, man, like if this goes the way we want it to go, we are going to have basically a directory of the top salespeople in the country. Right. And if we have a directory of the top salespeople in the country, hey, we get to, you know, pick who we want to work with us, right? Whether on our wholesale team or our education team. Right, Yeah. And then from there, like, what are some additional opportunities? Um, you know, could we have a placement agency? Right? Like, it's just so many things you're always looking at. It's like, I wish I could just focus on what's in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm always dreaming and wandering and wondering 
uh, right. what, what are the next things we can do? And it's hard too, because you have to know what's working and which one to follow and which things to cut. Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes it's like, you can focus on things over here. That's like making money, but this one would do better. Yeah. So it's like a constant battle on like, what do you do? Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely a major struggle for myself. Uh, real quick on, uh, on YouTube. Ice wants to know, which would you learn first? Google ads or Facebook? Facebook. Why is that? Facebook is a lower area to entry because, and so on Google, you're in direct competition with investors. So you're paying 70, hundred dollars a click, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Facebook, you're competing with the shoe store and the bakery down the street because Google, you're paying per click. Facebook, you're paying per impression. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a cheaper way to start getting into marketing. Right. And you still get to learn the principles right. of digital marketing. How do you stay motivated? I'm built this way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just, I set goals. So I said, I said big goals too. Like I said goals that I don't think I can, don't think I can hit to push that out so far. Yeah. Like, um, like I told you, I was losing weight, right? Uh, we were talking before, I don't know, we were talking to CG maybe or something, but I weighed like 237 pounds. I set a goal to get a six pack. Mm-hmm. Just because even in business, like I don't, I don't want to set a goal that I'm going to hit in a month. It's got to be far out because I'm going to go, once I hit it, it's over, mm-hmm. you know? So that's kind of how I motivate. I, I just set unrealistic things and try to make them real. Got it. And how will you know when you're successful? Uh, I'm already successful. Um, it, I guess it depends what you think of success. Right. Well, so your definition. My definition of success, I think I'm pretty good right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I just keep, keep pushing. But um, the, when you get the balance, like, like with me, I'm pretty close to being able to have a good balance yeah. in life. Um, I think that's when you get success. Whenever you can do what you want and also afford to do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To find that balance. It's, it doesn't necessarily, everyone's, everyone's success is different. It's not rich. Like, I'm not a flashy guy. I don't want mm-hmm. Lamborghinis, things like that. It's like, hey, if I want to take the family to Disney World tomorrow, yeah. we can just hop a flight, go book the VIP tour, and be good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what is your superpower? Uh, my superpower is fixing things and just working harder than anyone else, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, I like problems. And so I was, I was asking Chad about it. I'm like, what's my superpower? It's like, dude, you fix stuff. Mm-hmm. So I like problems. Like, things that normally you can't figure out, that's what I like doing. And he's like, he's like, you work harder. And he's like, I don't think anyone will outwork you. Yeah. So those are probably the combo. Uh, makes total sense to me from what I've seen. Totally believe that. What is your biggest regret? Uh, I don't have regrets. I don't really have... My, I'd say one of my biggest regrets, it's not necessarily a regret, but I probably should have never done it, is drink alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm a, I don't really not, I'm more of a doer. So it's like even anything I want to do, I just do it. Mm-hmm. And I deal with failing and I like being uncomfortable. So like I live for that. Yeah. So I don't really regret things, um, but I do a lot of things I shouldn't do. So besides alcohol, what's the other poisons? That's it. That's it right now. And working. I work too much. Like mm-hmm. my brain doesn't shut off. So that, that's a problem. That's a balance thing there. Is it an ideation thing? Is it a, like you're always thinking of new ideas or you're always like trying to figure out another way to solve an existing problem? Both. It's, it's more on, because I'm in the digital space, there's always different ways to do stuff. There's always different ideas. So I'm, my brain's constantly thinking all the time, hey, what can we do to be better? Yeah. What can we do to crush it? 
Like even sometimes I'm waking up in the middle of the night with ideas. Like you you can't shut it off, mm-hmm. which is a blessing and a curse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it absolutely is. It definitely goes both ways. How did you learn your greatest lesson? Greatest lesson? Um, I don't know. It's good. It's a good. Elaborate on the question here. Well, what is the biggest failure, or which failure have you learned the most from? Well, the failure that I learned the most from was probably whenever I was in a real estate, like we were talking earlier, when I lost everything and like really screwed me up. Mm-hmm. That taught me balance. It taught me don't get involved in shiny object stuff and balance your life. Like sleep, keep healthy, uh, save money, don't get hooked up with tricksters, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably my top one there. Yeah. Um, so those are lessons you learned. What guardrails have you put in place to prevent yourself from falling victim into that again? Um, Do you ever read the book Richest Man in Babylon? Yeah. Five Laws of Gold. There's one, mm-hmm. one page in there. I read that. That is the one that's helped me in business the most because it's, it's got five things like don't get involved with tricksters. Don't look for unrealistic. Pretty much every business decision I make goes through that checklist. Mm-hmm. And I, I used to always get in stuff and I'd like lose all my money. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so can you recite those five laws? Uh, let me think. So don't get involved with tricksters. Save 10% of your money. Uh, make your money work for you. Uh, don't do, don't partner with somebody that doesn't have experience in a business. Don't do business in areas you don't have experience. Yeah. So like if I were to, like, for example, Chad, mm-hmm. he, he's with me and he wanted to get into real estate investing. I do real estate investing. That partnership makes sense. Right. Versus me, if I was going to partner with somebody on, um, I don't know, video camera mm-hmm. or whatever, if, if I don't have experience in it and that other person doesn't have experience in it, it's just a dream. Yeah. Most likely you're going to fail. But if that other person does, like in a real estate space, if you have money, partner with a guy that's doing a lot of deals. Mm-hmm. But don't partner with a guy that's dreaming that's never done a deal because you're probably going to lose your cash. Yeah, I remember I was talking to someone last week, and they're like, dude, you just totally started like a real estate fund to take advantage of this commercial market. I was like, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. And they're like, why not? I was like, because I'm going to go around, I'm going to ask Brian for $100,000 to invest in commercial assets that I know almost nothing about. Right. Like, I don't need that pressure. Now, if I say, Brian, I got a deal. I need 100000 from you. I know when I've got that deal that Brian's going to get paid back. Right. Right. But raising money for commercial assets, I don't know if I can handle, like I can figure out almost anything. I fear I have this unrealistic, irrational confidence, but borrowing money for an asset class I've limited experience with gives me all sorts of like, that's the kind of stuff I'll lose sleep over. Right. Yeah. And you're right. Cause it's like all that kind of stuff. It's just, yeah, you got to be really, really careful. Yeah. It'll just suck your time and, you know. Right. And now I got like, okay, not only did that deal not work, but now I owe Brian money. How am I going to figure out how to pay him over all these years? And then that puts you in a spiral. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yep. Uh, another question from Ice. If you lost everything, where would you start? If I lost everything, where I would start? I would start online. I would go back to Upwork. Mm-hmm. I'd start just freelancing because it costs $0, and I'm trading knowledge for money. What does that mean? So it means uh, if I lost everything, I know how to digital market. I would mm-hmm. just consult with people to start. Mm-hmm. Be like, okay, let me help you uh, accomplish your goals in exchange for a fee, like an hourly fee. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I was talking to my wife, and we're, we're talking about, like, if we lost everything, what would you do? I was like, well, I'm not getting a job. She's like, why not? So it's like, I'm unemployable. Same. Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't understand. Like, every boss will hate me. Yeah. 
because I'm going to be like, why are we doing this way? Why are we doing it that way? You know, um, in learning about myself, you know, Gary Harper kind of helped identify, like looking at my, my, my predictive index. You know, we talk about I'm going to do what I want with whoever I want, whenever I want, however I want, right? Like that, like individualist. Like I literally, right. that's like the ultimate, like <laughs> I don't fit in a box. Right. But to top it all off, my E, my objective is all the way to the right, which means if it doesn't make sense to me, I will never do it, right? Yeah. I just can't imagine a scenario where a boss <laughs> will be okay working, uh, having someone like me report to them. Right. Um, but I do think, though, in looking back, you know, probably it probably would be in sales. I think, you know, just stick me in a room where I can do high-margin uh, high sales. I feel like I'd be pretty good in there. Until, yeah. I get, until I get back on my feet. I guess you're right. Yeah, sales is a good one too for me. Yeah. Sales, sales are consulting, one of those. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, we've talked a lot uh, about digital marketing. But we really haven't really talked a lot about your particular service. If someone wanted to, if someone were interested in learning more about working with you, uh, what, where should they go? They're going to go to motivatedleads.com mm -hmm. and they're going to mention disruptors. Got it. And what we're going to do for anybody who comes through your show, we're going to toss in an extra $1,000 on their initial deposit, free leads. Thousand dollars, thousand bucks, free leads. You deposit a thousand, we give a thousand. Got it. Okay, so I think you guys should definitely take advantage of that. Put in a thousand, get a thousand. This is like uh, your your employer was was like the four hundred one k match. Yeah, you right. know what? I've never done it either. I just thought about this morning. I'm like, what can I give everyone that makes sense? I'm only gonna do it for like a week or something too. It's yeah. not gonna be like crazy long, but if that's a good good gift for people. There you go. So get a thousand dollars worth of leads if you're willing to invest a thousand dollars into yep. your own business. Correct. That's fantastic. All right, so I want you to think about some last thoughts you want to leave some listeners with while I make a couple of quick announcements. Um, guys, again, you know, you heard me talk about the sales community. I genuinely believe this is something that if you have not invested in yourself with us yet, it's something that can make a significant difference to your bottom line, right? Not just the top line, but your bottom line. Uh, I think sales is one of the fastest ways to grow revenue, right? I think marketing is important, what you're doing here. I think marketing is absolutely key. But if you can't convert the leads, it's all for now. You know, we were talking about earlier, I started doing my own PPC years and years ago. I had to learn all this on my own. And back then, it was $2 a click, right? It was amazing. $12 a lead. It was wonderful, wonderful times. But I was a shitty, crappy, crappy salesperson. I couldn't close those deals, you know? Like, so I closed deals, but it was only because, like, you do enough <laughs> marketing, you're going to close deals. Right. But I left so much money on the table. So if you guys are getting leads, but you aren't closing them, definitely check our community. Go to salesdisruptors.com. Uh, and please subscribe to our channel. Don't keep us a secret. And next we got Alex Kizada talking about self-storage and how he's raised over $30 million in private money. So what are some last thoughts you want to leave all the listeners with? Well, first thing, talking about sales, it's only 97 bucks a month, right? Right. People need to do that. I feel the same exact way. I feel like, like we're giving it away at $97 a like, month. Because I work with a ton of investors. And it's like, that is the one of the top things people don't know what to do like, with those calls. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So 97 bucks a month, no brainer. Yeah. Right? Top thing that I would want to leave people with would be um, just do what you're, if you have an idea, act. Like I see a lot of people in this space, especially people that, that are newer in this space, they come up with an idea in digital marketing, for example. Hey, I can't launch my website yet because I got to get my logo. I got to work on a copy. I got to do this. I got to do that. It's like jump in the pool and figure out how to swim. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a believer in I'm jumping out of the airplane. I'll build the parachute on the way down. Mm -hmm. You'll figure it out or you'll fail, one of the two. 
but sitting there, that's how you get regrets. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know what? I wish I would have done that. Right. I, I say just jump in and do it and smartly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But like think about it, but just just take action and start trying. Well, I mean, that's hundred percent spot on. Because if you think about it, right? How many times has someone ever had a website fail because of the logo? Right. Or fail because of the copy. Like copy is important. I'm not questioning the copy. But we're not talking about spending thousands and thousands and thousands on 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 uh, ads before you get your copyright. Right. But get the website up and running. And the other one I always laugh at is LLCs. Yeah. Like, I gotta get my LLC right. And again, it's important after you've done one deal. Right. After you've done one deal. But I've literally done thousands, thousands of transactions. I say I've been sued like four times, five times maybe. Yeah. Right. Like the likelihood of getting sued is outrageously low. But the attorneys make a killing selling fear. Yeah. I get the LLC after I get it under contract. Yeah. I decided Brian Driscoll signed it for an LLC to be formed. Mm-hmm. In Penn, I don't know if you can do that here, but in PA, that's what we do. In Arizona, we totally could. Yeah. Right. Well, we just do Anor signs and then we just assign it to the LLC. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's stuff like that. It's like, just do it. Cause, cause other, otherwise, it's like, I know so many people, like even people I know, they're like, you know what? I'm going to get into real estate sometime. You know, it's like, <laughs> just go out and find it. And it's, way easier i found it's way easier to make money and do deals than i thought it was like mm-hmm. originally what i thought it was to be successful it's not yeah and it's very simple right uh, how can someone get a hold of you uh motivatedleads.com yeah just go to our website and uh fill out a form make sure to mention disruptors yeah all right last question here from ice and then we'll wrap it up what's more valuable marketing or sales that's a tough one. Ooh, so got a marketing guy got a sales guy this is yeah, and I come from a sales here. background. So I would say probably sales, sales. because you can hustle. Yeah. You can go out and hustle. So you need to be able to sell to afford to pay for marketing. Yeah. So go out and sell people, make the money, reinvest it to marketing to save yourself the time. Yeah. So I always say marketing is the first skill you got to learn. But if you can't sell them, it's all for naught. Mm. All right. So you got to learn both. You got to learn both. Uh, marketing, the good thing is you can hire a, a, a vendor. Right. <laughs> Take care of that problem. But you can't hire a sales vendor for that. Right. <laughs> or at least I wouldn't. Yeah. Sales, sales is hard to hire. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. Perfect. So we'll wrap it up here. Thank you so much, Brian. Thanks, man. Appreciate you guys watching the show. See you guys tomorrow on Part in the Disruption. Shout out to Steve Train. Jump on the Steve Train. We real estate disruptors. <laughs> <laughs>